to That's Orgasmic, a podcast discussing the orgasmic and not so orgasmic moments of all things sex, relationships and mental health. I am your host, Emily Duncan, and I'm a sexologist who provides online sex coaching sessions to help you cultivate sexual wellness. This podcast is being recorded on Wadawurrung land. We pay our respect to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past and present. We extend that respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. Please enjoy this episode. Today's episode is a little bit different. This is a recording from the Good Enough Nutrition podcast by Nadia Maxwell. Nadia is a dietitian based in Geelong and I know her personally. So I went onto her podcast to talk all about my work and body image and the role that it can play in dating and intimacy. We break down topics such as getting to know your genitals, how to improve body image and intimacy, uh, different methods I use such as Sensate Focus and how we can just get to know our bodies better. So I hope you enjoy this episode and hearing me be the one answering questions, not asking them. Everybody has a body image so I think it's really important to get a better understanding of what our body image is and how it impacts our relationships. As I said in the last episode, I have opened up my wait list on my website, Emily Duncan Sexology, for those who want to book in a session with me, but my current session times don't work for you. So if you're somebody who's overseas or with like time zone differences or just a busy schedule, please go on my website, click join the wait list, send me an email if you want to at emilyduncan at thatsorgasmic.com. If you click on the wait list, it'll take you there anyway. But yeah, if you're somebody who's been looking at booking in a session with me, but there just hasn't been a time that suits you, please reach out and we'll try and find a time that works. So I hope you all enjoy this episode, Shaggers. So today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of talking to the lovely Emily. Emily is a queer sexologist based in Wadawurrung country, Geelong. Emily has an online practice, Emily Duncan Sexology, supporting individuals and their partners to cultivate sexual wellness. Emily is also the host of a podcast called That's Orgasmic, a podcast that aims to break down the shame and stigma attached to sex, sexuality and relationships. How Emily and I met was through Inner Strength Healthcare, which is a pelvic health physio clinic that I work at in Geelong. And as a result of it being a pelvic health physio clinic, there are a lot of conversations about the pelvic region, uh, including vaginas and vulvas. And many of those conversations take place in the lunchroom. And I had the pleasure of meeting you when you came to one of our lunches. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'll have to admit, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to what sexologists actually do and how they support people. So I am thrilled to have you all to myself for an hour to get to know a bit more about your role as a sexologist. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk all things sexology with you today. It's my my passion. (laughs) I can just talk about it all day. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess the first question that I kick off with is what has been lighting you up recently? So recently... Probably actually podcasts. I'm not a big podcast listener. And for somebody who has a podcast and talks on them all the time, I actually like never listen to them. And I didn't listen to them honestly for the first year of having my own. But I've been trying to listen to them more recently because there's so much knowledge on them. And even today I listen to a couple and every time I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And I'm like, why don't I listen to these more? So yeah, probably podcasts. It's a good reminder of why I do mine and to actually that people listen and that it impacts people yeah that's so funny I did it the other in the other uh, direction so I listened a lot honestly probably since 2015 so I jumped on the podcast bandwagon pretty early but yeah never actually recorded one until recently do you have um we'll get to recommendations shortly but do you have one that you would recommend to people that I've you've been, been loving. I've been listening to Curious Fox and it is okay. so good. So I think it's to psychologists or psychotherapists, sex therapists maybe. I don't know. I don't actually know their credentials. But they talk all about like sex and relationships and they get experts on. And especially as somebody as a professional in the field, it's really interesting. Mm. Um, 
I don't know how I mean they start pretty base level on each episode so it's probably good for everybody um but especially if you're a professional in the field I just found that it just goes that bit deeper um and yeah so I've been loving that one. Oh, amazing thank you for the recommendation I'll definitely jump on that you said curious box yeah curious perfect box. and I'll put that in the show notes for anyone listening um but first up so before I ask you how you got into the work that you do I think for the listeners because sexology it's it feels like a newer player on the scene like Mm. you know with people like Chantal Otten kind of bringing it more to light in our community Um, I didn't definitely didn't know what a sexologist did uh, for such a long time it's only been the past few years really so before I ask you how you got into into doing sexology tell us a little bit about what they do yeah so a sexologist um is basically just an expert on human sexuality and there's a few I guess different types of sexologists so um we often like if you're an Australian sexologist there's only two places you could do uni for it um so most of us who call ourselves sexologists are either educators so working in like schools or um, workplaces running like workshops things like that and doing sex education um there's sexologists who do research and then there's a sexologist who do like sex therapy um and supporting individuals and their partners um with any like sexual concerns so I fall into like the sex therapy category um I guess you could call my podcast a bit of like sex education and I would look to do both but for me being a sexologist is basically yeah supporting individuals to cultivate sexual wellness so if they have any um issues maybe like their sexual function like they struggle to orgasm or they can't get an erection um or maybe they want to spice up their sex life there's a mismatch in desire um between a partner and their partner or partners um kink disability and sex um honestly so many different things like there's so much in the realm of sexology that people probably don't even think of um so yeah no no two days are the same in the field and it's always yeah super exciting um and very rewarding too Mm, yeah amazing it's kind of a bit like you know other allied health positions like dietetics where it's like there's so many different directions you can take it and it's such a broad topic right that there's so many different possible passion areas and I'm so keen to hear about yours and I know we have an overlap yes (laughs) but before we chat about that I wanted to know how you actually got into the field of sexology like what was your journey and go as far back as feels relevant (laughs) yeah so it was basically chlamydia that was what put me onto this this path um when I was 18 I contracted chlamydia for the first time and I was like shit like what do I do I had a boyfriend at the time which kind of felt a bit more awkward in the sense of like how do you tell your boyfriend that we both have chlamydia and how do we move forward with that when you're 18 you have no knowledge about STIs um I'm from a small country town so it's so stigmatized like it's stigmatized anyway but like unheard of back where I'm from and basically the doctor was like you can send an anonymous text or just you know you're gonna have to let them know and I was like well I can't send my boyfriend an anonymous text I was like what do I do um I was kind of fine with the fact I had chlamydia I was once I knew the treatment and that it was you know a pretty simple treatment like just taking two tablets um I was like oh okay at least I'm not pregnant we can joke about this like that's fine told my boyfriend and then we didn't have it wasn't an ongoing conversation it didn't teach me how to have a conversation about sexual health I just disclosed that you know we had chlamydia so then um because we didn't talk about it I just assumed he got tested that he got treated did all the right things he didn't so I contracted it again and then that turned into pelvic inflammatory disease and then I had to have a laparoscopy and surgery and it turned into this big thing. So that first thought of, oh, chlamydia is nothing. Just take a couple of tablets. It's fine. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> and I just started researching about STIs, sexual health, um, obviously going to like gynecologist appointments, all these things, trying to work out what was going on. Um, and I just realised I really didn't know anything about sexual health um in school they teach you these are STIs don't get them not what to do when you do get them 
um, and most of us are going to contract an STI at some point in our lives. And it really just, I guess, showed me that if I don't know this, the people around me, my peers don't know this. And honestly, the wider community probably don't. And that needs to change. So I changed my uni degree from criminology to psychology and then um, decided to become yeah, a sexologist so I could educate people and yeah, change, I guess, the way we talk about sex in Australia. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Like I think like there's so much shame around STIs, like you said, and there's so much shame around sex. So you being able to kind of, it's so interesting when I ask people what that question and how they got into the space that they're working in. Most people have a really personal experience and the fact that your personal experience is also on a topic that is shrouded in so much shame, it must make you just like so much more passionate to be able to speak about these topics and get the word out and know that the newer, the younger generation are going to be so much more informed. Yeah, absolutely. And like STIs is my jam. I kind of forget. And then it'll be conversations like this where I'm like, oh yeah, like I need to talk about this more because like it's the reason why I got into it. And nearly everyone I have a conversation with around STIs, there's something I tell them or a fact about it that they don't know because we are so uneducated in that space and especially also in the older population I remember when my first podcast episode about chlamydia I had some uh, people like I'd worked with or like known Mm. around my like hometown that like messaged me like oh like they're in their like 40s like oh my god I had contracted chlamydia like I had so much shame because I didn't think that happens to you know when you're older and especially for like aging populations there's a lot of divorce now separation and things which means potentially dating and casual sex which means STIs um so it's yeah I think also a really important conversation for aging populations because they hold probably the most misinformation and shame and stigma out of everyone Mm, such a yeah such a good point and I think because when I was thinking about, okay, well, what's the overlap between my career (laughs) and your career? And I think a topic that we're both very passionate about is body image. Yes. And I think it's also like, I think of a lot of the younger generation has, have grown up with parents and I'm talking like young, young, (laughs) like people who are kids nowadays, grown up with parents who are perhaps millennials or Gen X that I've putting a lot of work into changing their relationship with their body and making those topics on the table, trying to get rid of the shame, making them less taboo, um, having conversations about bodies changing and puberty and everything like that. But I find that a lot of my clients and the ones that probably break my heart the most are the people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s even Mm. that still have so much shame about their body yeah and have a really challenging relationship with their body and have sometimes never spoken to anyone about it so I'm glad that you brought that up in terms of how it's also a really important topic to get out to the kind of you know the people the older adults or the people that you know boomers and beyond (laughs) yeah um but yeah I guess when I was thinking about the crossover between our different roles I was thinking about body image and how our relationship with our body plays a role in intimacy and sex yeah and I would love for you to you know either talk about you know um what what your opinions are on that or even like why are you passionate about that area why is that a topic for you that's so important yeah well even just like what you were saying then about you having older clients come to you and having body image concerns or they maybe not even realize it's a concern it's just their subconscious thoughts and messaging like I know every single Christmas the older family members like I'm talking like 60 plus it's oh my god I've gained so much weight this year oh I shouldn't eat all this or they comment on my body weight every single family event so it's you can see how ingrained it is and like me and my friends I don't know if you've heard of the saying almond mum yeah we're always like all the almond mums (laughs) because we feel like yeah our mums are definitely in that in that almond mum um age but as for body image and sex I find everybody has a body image and most of us are sexual and the two relate so much because often when we're being sexual we're getting naked and we're showing our full body to either a partner or partners and that can be extremely vulnerable um I feel like also with body image one thing that 
is really, I guess, important to touch on is especially around genitals and Mm. I find particularly vulvas, a lot of vulva owners, which for anybody listening, I'll often refer to people either vulva owner or penis owner. And if you haven't heard of that before, it's just to be like gender inclusive. Um, And I find a lot of vulva owners, they haven't even looked at their vulva before. So they don't even, one, know what it looks like, or two, if they have looked, they've seen their labia and they've been like, oh my God, it doesn't look like, you know, what I've seen in porn or whatever. And they've got labia that's longer than what they think it should be. Um, So there's a lot of shame around that. And that leads to a lot of, I guess, sexual issues as well. Um, And same with penises, like there's all this like ideas that the bigger the penis the better which is not true um but that relates to body image and that's also then very tied into like masculinity um and I guess when it comes to body image like it is a massive part of sex like I feel like most people can either think of a time that they're having sex in a certain position like oh my god what does my body look like in this position or they want to have um sex with the lights off because they don't want to be seen um, and honestly even like having sex with a shirt on or has to be under the covers like there's all these different ideas or ways that people will be sexual and they get into a routine of it and don't question it and it all comes back to that body image. Mm. Yeah and there's so many different directions and areas we could go into because it impacts so much of our life doesn't it and I like I would love to talk a little bit about yeah dating and intimacy in our relationship with our body but the fact that you brought up our relationship with our genitals is is such an interesting one yeah. right because that's obviously nothing I ever usually talk to my clients about yeah. it it often just doesn't come up you know we might talk about intimacy or dating occasionally but um yeah I guess it's so funny you say that because I was thinking about when was the first time I looked at my own, yeah. own vulva yeah. and I can I, I think back it was after reading Anne Frank. Have you yeah. ever read that book? I book don't about know if Anne I've Frank. actually read it. It's her diary. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've, Anne I've, Frank's diary. I don't know if I've actually read it though, yeah. And in it she explores her own vulva and like mm-hmm. it's from I think probably the 1930s or 40s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that prompted me, you know, many years ago yeah <laughs> I'm not that old but it was at least 15 years ago um to have a look and otherwise like it was not a topic of conversation in my family whatsoever we didn't yeah. even talk about periods let alone yeah. genitalia so yeah no wonder that there's um so many people have uh either an avoidant or a negative relationship with their yeah, with their body and with that area in particular. Yeah, and because we're only shown one way that it should and, like, obviously I've got my quotation marks up because, that yeah, we've only shown that one way. So if your vulva looks any different, mm. you instantly think, what is wrong with me? Mm. There's something wrong with my vulva. And they've seen that labiaplasties, the it's, it's just going up and up and up in demand and people actually having the surgery to alter the labia to it look like it's all I'm trying to think of the right word this is going to sound bad but like all kind of like tucked in yes. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense yeah. and that's just not the case and there's a lot of great work by people like um Ali I can't think of her last name Com- her, their Instagram's comfortable in my skin and they yeah. go around and take photos of people's genitals and breasts and just showing the diversity that there is um which I w- wish everybody like saw growing up or was shown growing up so that we I guess felt better in ourselves you know about our genitals and also looking at them like I was in my teen years reading I think it was Dolly magazine and they said something about looking and I remember I had this little pink hand mirror and I was like oh my god there you go (laughs) and now I always recommend everybody to like check regularly because there can be changes and things and if you don't look all the time then you won't notice that yeah yeah and so that was actually going to be my question is kind of what are your best tips or suggestions for someone who perhaps does have a negative relationship with their labia or penis? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, what, what would you kind of suggest as a place to begin to help change that relationship? Yeah, so I think taking 
back like to real like just basics because for some people even looking at their genitals is too much especially for vulva owners they don't want to look they're just like no so just acknowledging that you have genitals is a great start because often we just pretend like it's not there um or yeah we just kind of ignore it and don't listen in and tune in so just starting with like the basics if you feel comfortable it can be over clothing like just placing your hand on your genitals and just being like hello acknowledging it (laughs) feeling it like not necessarily like feeling it up but just having your hand there to you know bring your attention there how is it feeling um you know does your vulva feel any different day to day and maybe try and do that um, a couple times a week to start with and getting it to every day just acknowledging it um if you're somebody who likes to meditate um when you do the body scan they always skip your genitals they just pretend like they don't exist they go so true they go stomach (laughs) hips and then thighs and it's like we have this whole you know nerve sensitive area that also can feel a lot of pain and have you know different issues that we really need to tune into and they always always go over it so in your body scan checking in how is my vulva feeling today how is my penis feeling today that's I feel like a great start because a lot of people don't even do that um, and don't ever tune in then it would be if you can getting a mirror having a look making sure you really like getting to know it and if you're finding that you're having negative feelings come up emotions journal it down if it's quite significant and you feel like it's not something that you can overcome on your own or get comfortable with on your own definitely recommend seeking professional support because for a lot of us like if you're somebody like your 30s or 40s for instance and you're finally looking at your vulva and you're like having all of this shame come up you've got 30 40 years worth of shame coming up so I definitely recommend seeking that professional support um and you can also have fun with it like put like sexy music on or like dance around and you know feel your vulva look in the mirror and it not just I guess be this um I don't know just like you know looking at the mirror and just I don't know what the right word is but you know have a bit more fun with it so you can tap into your sexual energy a bit more too um definitely recommend looking at other vulvas on websites where they show a diverse range so you can see that okay my vulva is actually it, it's normal um, and there's other vulvas that look like mine or penises that look like mine um, that would probably be my first first few suggestions and then if you're open to masturbating definitely recommend it doesn't even have to necessarily be for um, at the start purely like pleasure but just trying to feel the different sensations how does it feel to touch different parts of your penis or vulva and then if it feels good going with that and you know leading to masturbation if you want to Mm. you're so right in the way that you know sometimes even yeah going straight to looking at or touching can be too much for people and that's the same with our relationship with our body in general like particularly areas like our stomach Mm -hmm. but yeah I guess the genital area holds even more shame and there can be years and years and years like you said so those are some really good suggestions of where to start I know for me like the first time because like I obviously I studied I guess first year medicine before going into dietetics and like the textbooks like when you're looking at anatomy they don't show you the (laughs) the range of different vulvas so I, I think the first time I really saw a range was actually at the um Museum uh, Mona in Tasmania and yeah. Hobart. They had a, a vulva wall with all yeah, the different awesome. yeah vulvas, and then I yeah found lots of Instagram pages that had lots of images with a they even if they're not um like photographs of vulvas that vulva art yeah 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 based on people's real vulvas. Yeah. So I can't remember any of those handles off my off the top of my head. I know you mentioned one, mm. but I'll definitely put a few in the show notes as a really good place to start because that can be a lot more approachable than looking or touching (laughs) to begin with can't it (laughs) yeah and especially for anybody who might have like trauma or anything it's just that feels so far out of reach being able to do so just bringing it back to literally just the basics can be really helpful for some people yeah yeah one of my favorite quotes uh, related to body image is by Sonia Renee Taylor and she says we can't love a body that we won't get to know. Mm. So love often feels like a really far away (laughs) destination for people when it comes to our bodies. So if you can start with the get to know part, 
you know, that's a really nice place yeah, to start, yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I would love to talk about some of those other areas that you mentioned um, related to our body. So whether, I guess, yeah, what, whatever's your kind of favourite, whether that be dating or in the bedroom or relationships, what do you feel like is a, yeah, one of your yeah. favourite ones to talk um, about? It would probably be, oh, it's dating and sex, both because I have experience in both, especially the dating part. Um, and I might start with that because I've found myself and I know a lot of people are similar. Dating brings up a whole lot of shit that you don't want to deal with and a lot of insecurities. So like for um, myself in particular, like going on dates, it was like, how do I look in this? You know, mm. do I look fat? That's often, you know, what a lot of people that that's the line that comes to their mind you know do I look fat or how does my boobs or ass look in this or whatever asset you're trying to show off or whatever asset you're trying to hide um and I even found like on certain dates like sitting a certain way to try and like not look larger even though mm. obviously they've already seen my whole they've seen me they know what I look like um and I also find with online dating there's this fear of wanting to look slimmer often in real life than what your photos show and not the other way or you know trying to put up photos that hide how you feel like they're going to perceive you um or like you know putting your best photo obviously forward um and then I've also heard stories where it's the other way of people putting up photos and then they're being slimmer in person and the other person wanting somebody who's larger in size and like oh this isn't what I wanted so I feel like with online dating there's that fear of like am I actually showing myself mm. as how I really look in person and then having a lot of fears and insecurities come up um, and that's something I always had like on dating apps I'd always be like oh my god like what if I look bigger than I did in the photos um, as for overcoming that it's a really hard one like I tried affirmations and a whole lot of therapy <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know if I have any I'm trying to I have advice for sex but I'm trying to think of actual advice for I guess in person going on dates and it would probably be I guess trying to go on dates where you're enjoying yourself and maybe doing an activity where you're having fun and not thinking about your body often if you're stationary I feel like and you're sitting at like a restaurant for instance it's like how do I sit like you're very much you feel so seen and especially if there's any eating like um like even just like what do I order so I look maybe healthy or want to look a certain way how much of it do I eat like you know all these thoughts anybody who's had weight loss surgery obviously you might not be able to eat as much maybe you have shame around oh okay I can only order an entree but I don't really want to explain that I've had weight loss surgery or whatever Mm -hmm. at the date so I feel like trying to do a date then where you're active or just doing something where the focus isn't completely on you can take off some of that pressure Um, but I really think it comes down to doing the internal work to to really help you there because it's just it's a really tough tough one to navigate I reckon Mm. Um, and then when it comes to sex Mm. yeah yeah, can I just jump in and say thank you so much for sharing because I think like we don't have all the answers when it comes to that because it is it's a really hard thing to navigate and I think sometimes people just hearing that they're not alone and hearing people talk about it is really helpful yeah it might not immediately change the way you feel but at least you're not alone in your experience and knowing that yeah there aren't easy answers but I would agree that that internal work can make a difference if you can share your experience with um, someone you feel safe around whether that mm. is a therapist or or a friend or a family member that can be really helpful to know yeah. that you're not alone and feel heard um, yeah and so I just want to share thank you for yeah. sharing that experience because I think it's often not really spoken about at least not in the context of dating yeah. so much and I think part of the fear around it is you don't know that other person's values yeah. right yes, there's, absolutely. There's, there's this uncertainty of I don't know how they feel about bodies and therefore I don't know how they might feel about my body. And I think, 
yeah, fear and uncertainty comes with a whole lot of stress. And I would say the more steady we are in our own values, when we know how we feel about bodies and work towards more of that kind of body inclusivity, you know, when we feel more compassionate and kind and friendly towards all bodies, regardless of how the other person feels, that can make it a lot easier. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. And I think something that I had to keep reminding myself was I've gone on all of these dates and I've been on a lot of first dates. (laughs) Like I've been on all of these dates. Nobody has ever commented on my body and really ever, never in a negative way at least. Um, And nobody's ever... When if it turns into a sexual relationship, being like, I don't want to have sex with you because of your body. Yeah. It was just all these subconscious, you know, fears, all these – it was it was my shit. And I never had that reinforced anywhere but within myself, me mm-hmm. trying to find, you know, something. Or if, let's say, they don't want to see you after the third date, oh, it must be because of how I look. Mm-hmm. And not just maybe our values just actually don't line up. Maybe they're not looking for something serious. Even I like found dating someone for four months. Oh, if only I've, if I was just you know skinnier or looked a certain way. Even though it's got nothing to do with that, mm-hmm. but it's so I guess easy. I feel like to if you've got that um, just messaging in your head to fall back onto that. And I guess in a situation where you feel like you've got no control, you're trying to put it onto something that you feel like you do have control over if that makes sense yeah oh 100 percent. yeah and it's it is because we have such a negativity bias as humans of course we do like our nervous system is always looking for better safe than sorry right to help with our survival so of course you're going to predict the worst and like you said it's been helpful to reflect on that the worst has actually never happened. Yeah. And to be honest, if someone did comment negatively on your body, like it would be a great red flag to be like, uh, thank you for showing your true colours. I am yeah. out of here. Yeah, but that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I was trying to think if there's anything else when it comes to to dating that I think I guess is important to touch on. Don't know if there is. If no. it comes to me later, I'll bring it up. I think it's I had something in my mind before, but I can't remember. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think just in general, just conversations around bodies, trying, like, I've made such an effort to not engage in any conversations about, um, like, if somebody's like, I feel fat, just not trying to engage in the com- conversation or um, bring up those conversations myself because I see that they happen everywhere and once you become aware of it it's like oh my god everybody's talking mm-hmm. about this like I remember going to the gymnastics center and these mums walked in they're like I can't wear that dress because of my arms and the other mum's like what are you talking about like no and like it doesn't mm-hmm. do it. like it's just the same cycle and I saw it everywhere so I guess making I've made such an effort to try and stop mm-hmm. talking and commenting on the appearance of bodies um which I feel like has definitely helped then I guess navigating other relationships like dating because it's not as much of a conversation um and it can also be really hard if the person you're dating feels insecure and then constantly brings up their body um or say on dates if they like do that I feel like that can also be really tricky if you're trying to separate yourself from that but they're feeling insecure and they're bringing it up all the time because then it brings up your stuff and it's like oh okay like Maybe if they're thinking like this, are they thinking about my body like this if they're thinking so negatively? Mm. Yeah, it's really hard. And that's actually a conversation that I have often with clients, particularly around this time of year, like leading into Christmas when people are with family and socialising a lot more. It's like how, like I've done so much work on my relationship with my own body and now I have values around how I stand on these topics. Like a great little saying is my body, my business, your body, your business, right? That's a really nice one to remind us not to speak about other people's bodies and that people you know, we can set boundaries around how people speak about our bodies. But then the question becomes like, how do I respond when people are talking about bodies? How do I respond um, when people are focusing on their own body and I want to support them, but I don't also want to necessarily either, I guess, uh, what's the word? I don't want to 
reinforce re- the, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Reinforce the fat. Like I don't want to reinforce any kind of um, anti-fat bias that they yeah. might have either. Yeah. You know, so it's something that I talk a lot about with clients, and I think it really depends on where you're at, where your headspace is, because mm-hmm. absolutely, changing the topic is a valid response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so too is saying, "Hey, is everything okay? Like it sounds like you're struggling. Mm. Is, is is everything okay? Because then you." If you have that capacity within you, totally fine if you don't and just want to change the topic. But if you have that capacity in you, you're also role modeling that it it's not – I think we normalize yes. feeling negative in our body yes. so often. And I, I often compare it to pelvic pain because I think it's a really – good comparison that same with like pelvic pain it's been normalized for years and years and years and years like oh it's just a painful period and now we're starting to shift that conversation to say no let's not normalize this because Mm -hmm. it isn't normal and there is treatment and things we can do to support people I feel exactly the same way around body image why do we keep normalizing these conversations of feeling shitty in our body because it's not something that we should have to put up with it's common yes but it doesn't have to be normal. We're not born feeling that way. So yeah. I think being able to be that supportive person to say, hey, is everything okay, Is can be another approach if yeah. you have the capacity yeah. for it. And I love that because I think it, yeah. if you're anybody who is just, you know, talking negatively about your body, often we do it just so offhanded and just, you know, yeah. all the time. To have someone be like, oh, are you okay? Be like, yeah. what? Like, what do you mean? Like, of course I'm okay. Like, I can imagine that would be my response if I yeah. hadn't done the work I have, being like, like, what do you mean? Like, because yeah. it's such a normal, yeah. normalised conversation. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, should we take it to the bedroom then? What's yeah. It, what do you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think about body image in the bedroom? So body image in the bedroom, as I said earlier, like it can be that how your body looks in certain positions, somebody seeing you naked for the first time, maybe your body's changed, you've um, had a child, you've been chest feeding, um, you had surgery, maybe you've gained weight because of medication, or maybe you've just gained weight in general, or maybe you've lost weight, weight, weight loss surgery, so many things <laughs> that can change um, aging, like yeah. so many different things. Um, and I was having a conversation about this the other day actually with um, two people on another podcast, I think it's called The... I can't remember what the podcast, the Barry something, Barry Chronicles. Um, and it's all about weight loss surgery. And mm. I was thinking, all right, well, what's like a good, I guess, universal tip for body image when it comes to the bedroom? And um, it's something called sensate focus. Now, if you're having casual sex, this probably won't really apply because I feel like it's something you can do, but it's more an activity that you do with somebody that you're having an ongoing sexual relationship with and I don't know if you've had a sensate focus before but it's basically where you really just get to know each other's bodies and you can do this solo as well so um, normally it's structured across four weeks um, and depending on what the person is say coming to me for in session I either take sex off the table completely but right we're taking no sex for a month or however long we're doing this for um it's not always a hard rule but often that just takes the pressure off people because even let's say somebody has this appearance of mismatched desire with their partner but they've actually got all these body image issues going on um if we're doing this activity then you have sex it might just reinforce all the stuff that we're trying to you know, breakthrough and unlearn. So basically, sensate focus. Um, in that first week, you would spend um, either like around 15 minutes. So you can either do 15 minutes each or break it down like seven minutes each, where you touch your partner's body and they touch your body. But you take turns. So you touch the first person's body first. No genitals or breasts, though, but get naked and have them touch basically all over your body apart from those spots and you're doing in a way not to try and arouse them but just so they can feel everything on their body um and use different pressures use the tips of your fingers the palm of your hand um knuckles maybe just you know whatever whatever you've got um just so you can get used to different like pressures um and feelings and just really note how it feels now at the start this can feel really daunting because mm-hmm. you lie there and your partner is just looking at your body 
and it's like holy shit they like it's not the the distraction of sex they're not you know focusing on the pleasure or there's this movement you're lying still and they can see everything so that can be really daunting to start with we might feel awkward and giggly and laughing um but after a month of doing it you're going to be so used to your partner looking at your body in this way um so yeah you do let's say 15 minutes if your partner touching you then you you touch them and you do front and back um so you try and do that let's say like three times that week and then the next week you bring in genital touching and breasts as well as the whole body um but it's like no penetration in any ways and once again not trying to build arousal just trying to note how it feels um so you can get these ideas of okay what areas feel good what areas feel bad um what are my boundaries like is there a natural area my body like no we're not we can't touch this um and you'll be surprised there'll be certain spots you're like oh I didn't even know that felt good like it might be like your collarbones or something like just a spot that you don't normally tune into and then the next week after you've done that step and you feel ready to move to the next stage is mutual mutual touching so you get used to both um feeling having the feeling of someone touching you when you're touching somebody else and then last week you bring in penetration if you like to have sex in any penetrative ways and this is just a really great way to get back into your body because while your partner is touching you you I really encourage you to like focus on where they're touching you so um practicing mindfulness like breathing in through your nose and either breathing out and imagining you're pushing your hair out to that area that they're touching to really focus on that area or just each time you notice getting distracted like you know bringing it back to wherever they're touching um not only will it most likely increase your pleasure and your comfortability with your partner I have partners who they're not their goal isn't even to try an orgasm and they've never orgasmed with their partner before and then they're doing this activity and it leads to an <laughs> orgasm at the end of it because they do their 15 minutes and they keep going and an orgasm ha- happens um it's also a really great way to get comfortable with your body and you can also do this in solo play so just touching all over like your body and getting comfortable with, like okay this is how my body feels um both from the this is how it feels in my hands and how it feels to I guess feel that touch mm. yeah. and so you call that sensate sensate focus focus yeah, yeah. it's called sensate focus therapy I yeah. love that yeah. yeah and I love that you also said that it can be done in partnership or solo yeah. as well yeah 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 that sounds incredible um and I I can imagine that like having that conversation with your partner it's so useful to have a framework to follow right like this is the four weeks and this is what it looks like because I think that's a lot of sometimes the issue with uh with intimacy sex pleasure in general is like I don't know where to start and I don't know who to ask (laughs) yeah and so yeah being able to like if somebody googled sensate focus therapy it would just come up yeah it comes up and you can get worksheets yeah um if you just even google sensei focus yeah um, worksheet um and then it's just important that after each time you do it talk with your partner what did i like Mm. what did i not like um and what were the thoughts coming up in my mind was i present or was i getting really distracted was there certain parts of my body that when you touched i was like dissociating or um if let's say this time around touching you really can't stop thinking about work and it's like all right let's notice when is that happening is it because something stressful happened at work is it because I didn't have enough sleep so then you can start just being more self-aware and then applying that to when you are having sex because like if let's say you've had a really stressful day at work and like yeah you're feeling sexual and you want to engage with your partner or partners but maybe you now know that okay I'm probably going to be more in my head so we need to slow down or I need to practice mindfulness more or I'm going to still be sexual with you but I'm probably not going to orgasm because I can't focus enough Mm. I still want to do it and have that Mm. I guess stress relief or whatever it is but it's not going to look the same as it always does Mm. and then that takes a lot of that pressure and expectation off because now you're on the same page yeah yeah absolutely because we always just follow the motions we Mm. just do the same sexual script normally Mm. or you know we've got our little 
little basket that we pull from but it's you know often it gets smaller and smaller as you like go through the relationship um and we're not having these conversations so then when sex doesn't go as planned or you're not having it as much or you could see that maybe your partner's just not as into it this time it becomes just like oh my god no like our relationship is changing or there's something wrong with me or they're not attracted to me or what if this turns into a bigger problem but if you can have these conversations more often then it's just like okay no this is just today and it's not going to affect our relationship and you can you know go forward and have a healthy sexual relationship Mm, takes the pressure off Yeah. yeah and I can imagine that having someone like a sexologist to help guide that conversation if it's not something that you've done before or even guide the whole sensate focus therapy here would be extremely valuable because it does you know often with these things they you know you might start (laughs) start well do it once and then uh, yeah life gets busy yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely and stuff comes up that you probably aren't even expecting to come up like I've had a client where they're like they really didn't like it when their partner initiated it. It instantly just put them off and their partner kept wanting to do it. So then they came to me and we had to talk it all out. Okay, where did this come from? Like, why mm-hmm. Why don't you like that? What is it about this? And then, it, you know, we end up working out why. But often if you're trying to just navigate these things on your own, it's really hard because we haven't been given the tools and you can get given like resources like this, but there is just so much stuff that does come up um, and there's so much... Even when it just comes to sex, so much misinformation out there. We have to unlearn so, so many things. Even I'm still trying to unlearn stuff from just society and school and everything, parents, family, what they teach you about sex. Um, And it's often like every single client I come to, there is something that they need to unlearn or there's education that they have to receive. So I think it's, yeah, always important, you know, to, I guess, yeah, seek that professional support if you are I guess doing it for you know if you do have any like sexual concerns or doing it for an issue that's bigger than just like I guess just doing the activity just for fun or just to like spice up the relationship Mm. yeah Yeah, I feel I definitely feel the same way about nutrition like most of my clients know (laughs) what you know healthy eating is or what it looks like and we're doing actually mostly a lot of unlearning yeah unlearning all the BS stuff that diet culture has put on onto yeah, us. Absolutely. So yeah, I hundred percent agree. Mm. So just to clarify, like if someone wasn't in partnership but wanted to do something similar to the sensate therapy, focus therapy, what would that look like as an individual? Um, perhaps it's, yeah. I guess more along the lines of masturbation, isn't it? Yeah. So basically the same thing. We're just not going to have that mutual touching. Yeah. So it kind of takes out that stage. So doing it yourself not touching genitals or breasts and just how does it feel journal afterwards if you like what areas felt good was it hard why was it hard the thoughts that come up as well you can also do this in front of a mirror so you can see it at the same time see how your body looks how does that feel for you what thoughts are coming up um you can use different um like you can use like a feather or maybe um if you've got any like sex toys in the bedroom or something you want to use or vibrations or different things that um and textures that you can use to feel I guess the different sensations so it very much follows the same I guess steps um and when I guess the important thing to distinguish between masturbation and when you bring in that genital touching is you're not trying to actually arouse yourself you're just trying to feel how it feels if you become aroused that's fine but it's not necessarily the sole purpose so moving to your genitals and then going to somewhere else on your body then moving back to them and going to somewhere else on your body um, and really just trying to tune in and I always recommend as well if you can and you've got the time to introduce just some mindfulness practice even if it's only five minutes most days best obviously best practices every day because often You'll hear me say, you hear another, a lot of other sexologists say how important mindfulness is and being present with your body. But it's so hard to try and learn a new skill like mindfulness in the act of sex. Yeah. It's better off trying to practice it, practice it outside of the bedroom so that when you do do it in the bedroom, it becomes a lot more naturally and easier. And you're not getting swept up in that, that I need to try and do this mindfulness. I'm not doing it well. And you can actually just focus on the pleasure that you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Great. No. So that's how it would apply to an individual. And like, what came to mind for me is 
in a previous episode where I've chatted, I was chatting to another dietitian about body image. We we're actually talking about one way is even using lotion, um, yeah. and I want I, I'd imagine that would almost be like a less intimidating way because it almost feels like you've got a purpose. Yeah. But for once, you're actually being present while you're yes. putting yeah. lotion on your body. Yeah. Um, as well so yeah and you can do that every day even like when you're doing your like your face I've lost the word for it yeah. like your <laughs> you know care. face care routine <laughs> skincare routine skincare, that's yeah. it. <laughs> like when you wash your face how does it feel how does it feel yeah. on your fingers and how's the texture of it how's mm. the water feel the towel like there's so many moments throughout the day where you can actually become mindful um, and then it just increases your capacity to do that then and we're being sexual Mm. and how do you like what do you feel like has been the benefit for you in terms of becoming more connected with both your body and your sexuality either for you or for your clients what do you feel like it enables you to do or be or how you show up in the world as a result I feel like it really liberates you like for me my confidence once I became a sexologist, even just identifying, I want to be a sexologist, starting the podcast, having these conversations, when you, for me at least, becoming sexually, I guess, confident and not necessarily like I feel like I'm good at sex, but just confident in how I show up in it, whether that's with myself or with a partner or partners, like how I'm actually showing up. Um, I find that then translated to just the real world like um my you know walking into a room with those people I don't know like I feel like you can tap into that sexual energy and that sexual confidence and put it out into the world so I feel like the honestly the biggest thing that's happened since becoming a sexologist is just building I guess that that confidence and also it's one of those fields where I'm constantly seeking new information um and new knowledge and that's not necessarily just about sex it could be honestly all aspects of health because everything in our life impacts our sex um so I feel like I've just learnt so much learnt so so much as well um which I don't know where I was going with that but yeah probably led to me being a lot more curious too yeah Mm, yeah and so for your clients that's a similar thing in terms of the confidence and the you know ability to show up in their body more more yeah. fully be more present yeah those kinds of yeah things. and I'm just from day to day just so much more aware of my body yeah. and my vulva um how it's feeling like I can a lot of people and maybe let's say you're getting thrush it might take you a couple of days to realize you've actually got thrush but the more in tune you are with your body you're able to pick up that dis- that difference straight away yeah 100 yeah. percent. and actually yeah that triggered what like a thought that came up earlier is even something like breast self exams like yeah. i think when we are uncomfortable in our body we are more avoidant of looking after our body and doing yeah. things like like breast self exams yeah. looking um and noticing because if we don't know what's normal we don't know what's abnormal yes right? exactly and so as we age as we get older as you know we become at greater risk of health conditions <laughs> it's yeah it's such a beautiful knowing your body is also such a beautiful way of being able to take care of your body and know when things yeah, aren't right 100 percent, and like with vulvas especially yeah. because they often feel like they're tucked away you can't see it you don't know what's going yeah. on <laughs> like getting to know what it looks like on the day-to-day basis who you know and even just feeling internally like mm. i like have a prolapse myself and when i like first had it, i was like oh my god like what is going on and i knew what my vagina normally felt like so then to have all of a sudden something in my vagina that was my vagina and I was like what is like I was so confused and I was like oh my god I bet you this is a prolapse and I was like no god no please but yeah it turned (laughs) out it was because obviously I was even though I was a sexologist still like uneducated didn't know what that meant for me and I still had this idea of that only happens if you're had a child not when you're 23 you don't get a prolapse um and I 100% reckon if I wasn't as in tune with my vulva and my body and doing all the self-exams and knowing I one might not have even picked it up and two I probably would have been a lot bigger of a meltdown <laughs> if, yeah. I, if, I, if I didn't realize and just felt that thinking oh my god what is going on yeah, yeah. and held a lot of shame around 
I've never heard this happening to a 23-year-old. Exactly. Right. And then with sex because yeah. it's yeah. like, oh, my God, is my partner going to feel this? Mm. And what does that feel like? And even now, like, mm. just getting a bit TMI, but um, the texture of the skin now, like, notice – I'm like, I don't know if it's changed because I didn't do enough exams to know. So now I'm like, okay, now it's like, go to the doctor. Is this normal? Because if you don't regularly check in, then you Mm. don't realise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one, like, I guess one avenue that I see for getting to know our bodies better. So I've mentioned things like lotion. (laughs) You mentioned a feather. (laughs) But another way I find that is really helpful is for people that do have periods is menstrual cycle awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Because it actually helps you to get acquainted with that um, monthly cycle, including perhaps looking at things like uh, cervical cervical discharge. Cervical discharge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like looking for fertile mucus and even inserting your finger into feeling to being able to feel your cervix and how the cervix height changes mm-hmm. and also the texture of it changes at different times of the month you know yeah. when we're ovulating it's going to be higher and it's going to be softer a bit more like lips and a bit open whereas when we're away from ovulation it'll tend to descend and become harder a little bit more like a chin or a nose and it closes so getting to know your body perhaps with the purpose of figuring out how it changes over the different stages of the month over the cycle can probably be another nice way of um becoming acquainted with that area absolutely because we're not taught how to do that i was never taught about a cycle yeah i just got your period it was 28 days it was meant to be in like (laughs) i didn't get told about all the different phases and just what that looks like and i came off the contraceptive pill I'd been on it for like eight years, came off it in February and I was like, holy shit, I don't know if swearing's loud, but I was just like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that I can feel my body this way. Like, I know when I'm ovulating, I know when I'm about to get my period, like my nipples become so sensitive the two days before it and I'm like, what is going on? And then it's like, oh, I, I check the app, I'm like, oh, my period's coming, like, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, and I've just... I could not believe how much you can actually tune into your body. And my period used to be something I hated, like I hated it. And now it's something that I actually enjoy, which I feel really privileged to be able to even get to that place. Um, But it's, yeah, it's just been such a weird experience to not hate my period and actually know where I'm at in my cycle, know how it feels and enjoy going through it. Like I don't enjoy leading up to the period, but, you know, (laughs) I just feel privileged to be able to have being able to experience that because I was very much just going to go through my whole life on hormonal contraception unless maybe one day I wanted kids um, but I would have very happily done that and it wasn't apart from other health conditions it made me go off it and then realize oh my god I could have been doing this this whole time and you know tracking my cycle and because you can still you know if you're sexually active with a penis owner like be you know have safer sex like it doesn't always have to be um hormonal contraceptives which I feel like are very much at least in my experience medical practitioners are very much like that's the only way like Mm. you have to do it that way yeah yeah and I think like it's it it takes a lot of curiosity doesn't it and it sounds like you got to the point where you were able to be more curious about your body and um I think yeah menstrual cycle awareness is a really nice inroads for that and to be honest even when people are on hormonal contraceptives and I know a lot of my clients do rely on them for things like endometriosis that even so with something like the myrena or an IUD you often still ovulate a lot of the time so you Mm. can still notice changes you can still notice um, the fertile discharge you can still notice changes in cervix height and then same with um, and when you're on the hormonal contraceptive pill technically you shouldn't be cycling but so many of my clients wear black and blue that they still get changes across the month and Mm -hmm. they still notice things like like premenstrual symptoms and in the lead up even though they don't bleed so I think there are still ways to be able to get to know your body even if you are on hormonal contraception and noticing patterns yeah absolutely yeah yeah thank you so much for spending time with me today I really appreciate you coming along and having a chat about topics that I honestly haven't talked about with many people so I feel very privileged to be able to have a chat with a sexologist who knows all about these things I 
know that my listeners would love to look you up. So where whereabouts can they find you? Yeah, so I have a podcast that that's orgasmic on all streaming platforms. Um, and then I have my Instagram, which is also that's orgasmic. That's the main one I post on. There's also Emily Duncan Sexology, but it has two posts. <laughs> um, so definitely recommend following the that's orgasmic one. Um, and then also my website is www.emilyduncansexology.com. So you can find the podcast through there. Um, if you are interested in working with me, you can book um, online sessions there as well. Um, and I think that's all the places you can yeah you can find me beautiful i will link all of those in the show notes so thank you so much for your time and your energy and presence it has been a pleasure no worries thank you for having me (gasps) 